Hello and welcome to the Mind the Cakes time management special. Managing our time can be one of the trickiest things to get right, and we're all guilty of procrastination at times. In this podcast, we'll be getting tips from lecturers, students and academic skills staff about how we can get the most out of our time, balancing work, study and all the other things in life we want to do. Hello, my name is Oliver Cooper. I'm a member of the academic skills team here at Winchester. Uh, my team is involved in supporting students with their academic work through one-to-one appointments, through workshops and through discussions about managing study, developing skills and sort of reaching for the, the highest potential of the work that they do. One of the things that I really uh, like to do when I'm dealing with juggling a number of different um, demands and challenges and certainly when I'm dealing with a project that has many parts to it and I think that's important to think about uh, a given piece of work not as a single object but as a series of smaller actions and activities is to try and prioritise within that and I use a system of four D's to to do that. Uh, One of them is do it. And that is effectively, do I have the resources to do it now? Do I have the time to do it now? If so, get it done. Uh, And that can be things like sending emails, that can be things like um, filing something quickly, that can be quickly writing up a note after um, a conversation with someone, something that I know I could put off because it's a small thing, but actually I could just get it done now and it wouldn't hurt me to get that sorted. The second is to defer it, and the reason why I would defer something is because I don't have the resources or I don't have the time yet to do that thing, Um, for whatever reason that might be, but it's not about just saying, oh, I'll do that at the weekend, I'll do that this evening. It's about being very specific and saying this particular task I'm going to schedule in for Thursday, five o'clock, for an hour, something as concrete as possible, because you can keep deferring and you can keep letting things go and go and go until eventually you find you've not done it for weeks. You know, So it's about deferring in a sense of I'm telling myself when I'm going to do this and it's at the point where I've got the time and the resources to actually make that possible so I can do it, kind of move into that first column. The third is don't do it. And this is where um, you realise that something actually isn't vital. It's, it's not important, it's not essential, it's not really related to this project. It might be a bit of a tangent. It might be something that you think I want to do that but is that necessarily going to move me forward now, or is that something that maybe I can worry about later, that I don't even need to defer it yet, it's something that I will get to at a sensible point later in the, in the um, process of the project. So I, I don't need to do it, I don't even need to think about it right now, and actually having that be one of my juggling balls of things I'm trying to worry about isn't helping me. I can let that one go, put it down, later I'll pick it back up again. So I can say, don't do that. And the fourth one, which is the one unfortunately we get to do the least, is to delegate and to say, someone else, please help me, do, do this for me. Um, and maybe that should be changed. Maybe that's less about delegation in terms of do it for me, but uh, is there someone who can help me? Is there someone who, who can provide some level of support, who can take some of that responsibility and some of that stress and maybe have a conversation with me or pull together some materials so that I can be in a place where I've got the time, I've got the resources, I don't need to defer it, and I can do it now. So that's one of the ways you can kind of manage the thinking. Uh, Do it, defer it, don't do it, or delegate. 
So um, another challenge, I think, to scheduling and managing time is when you lay everything out in terms of everything I have to do, the lectures I've got to go to, the deadlines I've got coming up, the social engagements, the time visiting parents, you know, there's all sorts of things that might be good things, there might be things you want to do to a certain degree, but there's a lot of stuff I have to do on my schedule, and it's difficult sometimes to look at that thing and not feel a little overwhelmed, right, to, to think there's just a lot I have to do within the next two weeks or three days or a month or whatever it is, the time span that you're looking at. And um, I think there are two main ways that we can tackle this. Firstly, it's making sure that nothing is on that scheduler or on that plan or on that to-do list which isn't a finishable, finite, concrete task. So if you book out, for example, four hours of reading, and it just says reading, I'm going to do some research, I'm going to do some writing, that doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't have an ending, it doesn't have a sense of criteria, of like when am I going to finish, you just sort of do it for that time, as much or as little as you happen to do it, and at the end you might have something to show for it, you might have some kind of product, but really, you don't know what you're going to get from it, it's just time spent at a thing. Um, it's kind of like hitting your head against a brick wall almost, because you, know, you can research endlessly. When do you stop? Well, when I get tired, I guess. It's much more pleasant to be able to say, here is something that's finite, it's achievable, it's specific, and when it's done, it's done. And that might take half an hour, that might take two hours, I might get it done much quicker than I thought I would. And that's great, because I've got back time that I would have spent just sort of endlessly going. So being able to say something like, in this half an hour, I am going to summarize the main arguments of these two articles and compare maybe about two or three bullet points of comparison between the two. And that's it. You're not going to be doing endless reading. You're not going to be reading a whole book. You're just looking at two articles in summary with a comparison. And then you stop. And even better than that, you follow that up with, and now I'm going to do something I want to do. Go to the pub, have a coffee, watch TV program, whatever it is, right? it doesn't matter what, what that thing is, but you've kind of said, I've done one thing, I've finished that thing, that step is complete, and now I'm going to do one thing that I want to do, which might take, again, half an hour, an hour, and now I can probably do another thing that's finite and small and achievable and concrete. And you're taking away that, again, it's lack of control, it's a very kind of common problem throughout this. It's taking you away from that, I need to do this thing, and it's sort of overwhelmingly large and nebulous and doesn't really have any kind of uh, limits on it, and saying, I can do this, I can finish it today, and then I can do something else. And you actually get more done, because you end up completing more of those smaller actions that make up part of the big project, compared to you know, these big, big, long, endless kind of spans of work where you're in the library all afternoon without any breaks, without any chance to do stuff you want to do when you could be breaking up bit by bit. So when people give, I think, very common advice, which is break big tasks down into small chunks, I go a step further and say small and specific finishable chunks. This is something I can do. My name is Beth and I'm studying a Master's in Cultural Arts Management. Normally, depending on what the assignment was about, um, I go to the library and I do some research and get my quotes and I normally like write out the stuff that I found useful in a Word document and then write a plan um, and I'd break it down into the different paragraphs or the different topics. So with rationales I'd normally kind of pick the different topics that I wanted to talk about and break them down into different paragraphs. And then um, 
see what the quotes I got were and see if I could work them in somehow, or if not, go back to the library and find more quotes. And then just start writing normally and see where. I used to um, do a lot of editing. So I used to print it off and then cross it out because I found it better to read it on paper rather than on the screen. So all the words just kind of jumbled up into one. And then I could cross it out on the paper and then start editing on the screen. When I found Learning Cafe, I thought it was quite a nice environment because everyone seems to really like, get on with their work in here. Um, but it's still not as quiet as the library. I like the kind of environment where you, you can talk to people or like, do group work, but I know that I can actually get things done. Sometimes I'd do one assignment in the morning and then like, have a lunch break and then start a new one. So I'd always have a break in between. I wouldn't like, jump from one to the other because then I would just be too confused. I'd normally come to uni every day, even if I didn't have lectures. Um, and normally I'd plan what I wanted to do in the morning or like in the evening before, so I knew. Sometimes I know if I would get to uni and not have a plan, I'd just kind of be stuck and not know where to start. So like, I like to plan, I like to write lists and I take things off and get them done. Hi, I'm Alec Charles. I'm Dean of the Faculty of Arts at the University of Winchester. I think people worry about the process of writing and therefore they tend to defer it. In fact, of course, the process of writing is really enjoyable. If it weren't, you wouldn't be studying creative writing, you wouldn't be um, really going to university or teaching at university if, if deep down you didn't actually quite enjoy writing. So really it's about not grasping the nettle because people think of nettles as bad things, but grasping something that's really, really nice to grasp. It's about grasping the kitten, the kitten of writing, the written kitten. Six years ago I quit smoking and it's very, very easy to quit smoking just as long as you realise it's very, very easy to quit smoking. If on the other hand you think it's difficult to quit smoking, then what you do, as all smokers do when they find something difficult in, ahead of them, is that they have a cigarette. Writing's similar. If you think of writing as a difficult and stressful thing to do, you'll defer it. And the longer you defer it, the more difficult and stressful it becomes. So, when faced with a deadline, don't think of the deadline, just do it immediately. Start working on it immediately. My process in writing is as soon as I get a commission for something, I start writing it. What's really, really important if you want to enjoy writing is to understand that your first draft will be rubbish. So I'd advise anyone who's in the process of writing Firstly, to enjoy what they're doing, but secondly, to realise that what they produce, at least the first time, won't be very good. Quality comes through redrafting and redrafting and redrafting, unless you're a genius. And yet, when we look at the manuscripts of many great writers, we can absolutely see, however easy their work originally appeared, when we, one reads it, it seems like it is just flowing off their tongue, flowing off their mind, flowing out of their fingers. But in fact, when you look at the manuscripts, they're almost black with ink. They write over and over and over, crossings out and over writings. And so everyone, even the people who make it look easy, find it, if not difficult, they find it something that takes time, something that takes effort, but always, I would hope, something that's enjoyable. My name is Sophie Edwards. I'm a current PGC student and I graduated from creative writing a few months ago 
In first year, I worked about 25 hours a week. That was my contract. And then in second year, I only wanted 15 hours, but I ended up working about 30. And then in third year, I was contracted 12 hours, but I had taken over a role of an assistant manager. So whilst I was only in store for 12 hours at a time, maybe 15, um, I was constantly being called or emailed by head office or other employees to try and sort things out. So it was difficult. In hindsight, I would say put your degree first and not be pressured into taking on an extra workload whilst you're studying at uni because ultimately you're here because you want a degree, you want to do well. And I feel like different companies and places of work don't understand that because they obviously just want you there as an employee. They don't really care about the backgroundness of what you're doing. They show that they care and they'll give you time off when you need it, but not, that's not always the case, especially when it gets busier. And Winchester can get to a very, very busy city. And I would just say, just put yourself and your studying first. So I always had one day off a week. I would always make sure that Sunday I would have off of work. And that was the day that I would usually do all of my rounding up and assignment writing. So I would come to uni on a Sunday and just blast out then. And also after lectures and stuff Monday to Friday, I would stay at uni until about 7pm. I was very strict with it and so was my housemate. So we would stay here together as like a study partner to go through things, especially assignment writing. And then in third year for the dissertation, I think the diss was due in, in March, beginning of March. So I took three weeks holiday. So I had three weeks accrued, accrued um, which I had paid as well. And yeah, I took that off around that deadline. One of my other bits of advice would keep home for relaxing and resting and just being a normal person and then keep uni for being an academic, an academic, a student and then keep work for just working. So staying later at uni, I think, helped because I didn't have to take it home with me. And also I'm one of those people I like taking my laptop with me to like different coffee shops. So that was quite nice if you're like a regular person and I would do that after lectures as well. So I could get out of the wars of being in uni because it did get really stressful. So just taking my work somewhere that was a lot more relaxed, there were people around. I think I've only ever submitted one assignment at home and that was in first year and I vowed never to do it again because it was just so stressful. Lastly, we spoke with Neil McCaw, Professor of Victorian Literature and Culture at the University of Winchester. There really isn't any right or wrong way of planning a piece of work. Uh, people do things very differently. Um, and there are a number of factors to bear in mind in terms of how you organise your own time. Uh, some people work better at different times of the day. Uh, the extent to which you're able to plan and keep to a plan depends on what else you've got on your plate at any particular time and down to very personal individual things like how you're feeling in any one day um, so you, all of these things are variables that have some kind of impact however there are things that in a, in a broader sense you can do uh, in order to maximize your time uh, and I think there, it's not a narrow prescription for everybody but these are the sort of things that you should be aiming towards even if all the while you accept that as a human being things change things vary and we don't always uh, work at our maximum 
but I think these are some of the things that that you might want to take into account so have a clear picture of where you need to be what you need to achieve in any given project or within any given piece of work so whether that's an essay assignment deadline or a creative assignment deadline or a submission deadline for a piece of work to a I don't know a journal or something so you have a clear picture of where you need to get to and by when so sometimes that's very straightforward it might be a week 12 deadline but it might or it might be something a project over the summer but I think if you can get a clear picture of of that and the deadline you're then able to work backwards between then and where we are now um, and I think some for, for me it helps to divide that time up into equal chunks whether that be weeks or days or in some cases months if it's longer term um, and then if you then look at the project itself you can break that up into its constituent parts as well and write them down uh, on, a, on your computer or on a piece of paper in order and by, by in order I mean in the order in which they'll need to happen to get to the end point because obviously certain things need to happen before something else can happen etc etc and once you've got that sense of a almost like a storyboard of a project you're then um, able to allocate blocks of the project the aspects the elements of the project to specific time periods um, so it might be that you allocate a week to the first one or a week, a week to the second one etc or it might be a longer it might be a month or something um, and if you allocate blocks of work to specific bits of time you do so in a way that doesn't give you lots and lots of wriggle room make it, you want to keep focused you want to keep it relatively tight but add in in between each block of time a free day a blank day with nothing scheduled and the reason you do that is because things change it might be that you I don't know something mundane you get a migraine so a day's ruled out and you don't want to be sitting there with a migraine panicking that you better be getting on with something you need to have a bit of space or it might be that something happens in your family or something happens with some friends or someone invites you to do something wonderful if you've got a, a wriggle a, a wriggle day at the end then you don't have to get overly anxious about it all and then you can and it might be that actually you get there sooner and you've still got your free day and you can you know do something nice with it and i think if you can allocate days to different parts of the project you get a sense of progression you get a sense of development and that things are moving in the in the right way so I'll give you just a few examples um if it's a creative project from if, if I mean, in a, in, a, in a way, the extent to which you, you put these in this order depends on you. This is just my own preference. I would begin from with reading primary material, i.e. novels in the area that I'm working in or short stories in the area or um, scripts in the area that I'm working in. And that's because I want to get a feel of what other people have done. The last thing you want to do is... Um, produce something that's cliched or obvious or hackneyed and the only way you avoid that is by reading other things watching other things I guess as well with films and uh, television programs so I would begin with that I'd allocate some time so if I'm writing a historical fiction I would be reading some historical fiction of the last few years to get a sense of what's out there um, so I don't make any really ridiculous gaffes like I don't know think that I want to write something about the court of Henry VIII and 
and at the same and I do so because I'm completely ignorant of Hilary Mantel and everyone else writing in that area. Once I've done that, I'll then be I'd then want to research into the background of the particular piece that I was writing, some you know some factual information, some background information so that I don't make any ridiculous mistakes like I don't know um I use the London Underground and my London Underground train is driven by a petrol engine because I haven't looked into how the London Underground works and uh, that it's electric and all the rest of it. And then I, once I've got a sense of what's out there and, and I've got a sense of knowledge, I would then start drafting, give myself some time to start putting together first drafts, second drafts, and then the final stage would be the, the polishing part of it, the editing. And So that would be for a creative piece. For a, uh, If I was writing a biography of someone, I would be beginning with some time allocated for reading other biographies then to some time for gathering information, wider information about the person I'm writing on. Then I would spend some time thinking about how I could come up with a particular perspective, a new perspective on things. And then I'd start writing and then I would start polishing after that. And finally, if I'm writing a a critical piece, the first stage would be, for me, reading other critical works in the area, secondary reading, to find gaps, to find... um, what are the main debates in a particular area. Then I would read the primary text that I'm going to be writing on, so whether that's the novels or that's the TV programmes or that's the plays or whatever it is. And then I would spend some, I would give myself a block of time to think things through, come up with a new approach, come up with a particular concept, come up with a particular argument. And then I would start writing and then write multiple versions of that. And each of those areas, each of those aspects of these projects would have time allocated to it. The key is, I think, in terms of maximising your abilities and talents, is to give yourself, to build into your timeline a few days at the end. Um, And that's for polishing, editing, proofreading. There isn't a single piece of work that's ever been written that couldn't have been improved. And part of the improvement there is refining and polishing it. There are no exceptions. None of us None of us produce work that is perfect uh, and work that can't be improved with a little more time, a little more care and attention. So give yourself the chance because, and this is, I've said this, I say this a lot to students, not giving yourself the time at the end to polish and proofread and edit your work and to submit something that's even anywhere near a first draft is a signal to the person who's reading it that you don't care that much. Because if you really cared that much, you would take the extra time to make it as good as you possibly can. So it's really important, and it's the bit that that most often gets lost, that doesn't get built into the timeline. Give yourself the time to make the whole thing shine. Make it the best that it possibly can be, and show the person who's reading it that you are really proud of it, that you are really bothered, that you've put your heart and soul into it, and that you want it to to be the best that it possibly can so it's important in your in your planning in your time management to give yourself the the best possible chance to do well thank you for listening to our time management special There's no one-size-fits-all when it comes to things like these, but hopefully there's something in this podcast to help you break the procrastination cycle and produce your best work.